Welcome back to the Scared Stiff Podcast. This is your host, Mike, and this is my co-host, Scott. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing good. Doing good? Yeah, had a good time. Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about a uh, favorite of mine. It's my my second pick of the month for my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies that I wanted to, sh- to, uh, to cover on the show, and that is Suspiria by Dario Argento. You want to tell me your uh, your experience with this movie? Today or like the first time watching it? I already know the answer to this question, but they don't. So, just so, in general. We first watched it together, like from my first viewing, um, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so two years ago, it was like Mike wanted to have like a birthday thing where we'd like pick a film to watch or whatever and hang out. So I picked Mike up. We went to like a convention that was local for like comics and and, and like stuff like that. Checked that out, had a good time. Went back to his his, at the time apartment and we watched Suspiria. So that was my first watching it. Um, My first film for Argento too. I think it's a good film to jump into. There's a lot of artistic flourish in it that can like sink your teeth into Argento in general and be like kind of, oh, I want to dip my toes into him more and like check out the other films that, to my knowledge, I feel are less about artistic flourish and there's more storytelling in some of the other films he does. But you can still definitely see where he is in film to film to film. It all feels like one person's work. Yeah. So I think Suspiria is a great jumping point. Not my favorite, but I, I do really respect the hell out of it. I think it's interesting because I, I hear it one of two ways. When I talk to people who are fans of Dario Argento, they tell me either this one or Deep Red is his masterpiece. Deep Red is my favorite. They couldn't be more different as far as just pure storytelling is concerned. Yeah, Deep Red is more impacted by the story with artistic flourish thrown into it. And I feel like Suspiria is a visual narrative mostly in storytelling comes second basically to me Suspiria is a it's a tone piece before it is a story Yeah, and it is a movie that is there to pretty much just convey the idea of, of a waking nightmare throughout the entire thing uh, it, whereas Deep Red is an actual like you know mystery story you're following and figuring things out and you're being told an actual story whereas this one's kind of giving you a lot more um symbolism and um visual things to interpret as the world that you're being brought into which is very different from from deep red yeah i mean i love the visuals to suspiria and i think it's really strong in that department and I would always say that, like, getting through the film, I do feel like sometime I would have liked a little bit more story because I like the ending of the film a lot. I think the ending's awesome. And the ending is built purely on the fact that, like, they start building up more of the whole witches thing in, like, the last third of the film. And then it has more of a punch to it. And I always thought that was really cool. That doesn't yeah. mean the first two thirds of the film suffer because it doesn't have that, but it does feel like a film like you said is built on the tone and like the atmosphere first and foremost and then the storytelling comes second yeah it's it's definitely like from the beginning you're you're brought into this malevolent world you know i i told the story before on other formats but you know the first time i watched this movie i thought that there was something wrong with my my blu-ray because i didn't understand how at the beginning when Susie is getting off of the uh 
know, getting out to go to, to the taxi uh, station, the doors keep opening and the music plays, and then it closes and it goes silent. But you know, over time, watching it over and over again and talking to people about it and realizing that basically the whole idea is, is that she is leaving the real world and entering the world of Suspiria. Um, so when the doors are opening, it's this hypnotizing um, trance-like energy that is drawing her into the world of Suspiria. So the entire from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, the whole point is that the witches are always omnipresent. The, the whole the whole city is is covered in their their aura and their magic, and they don't start dropping actual like narrative beats about them until probably the last thirty minutes of the movie yeah, when she goes yeah. to meet Udo Kier's character, and you start actually learning about the Tan Academy, and you start learning about the um, the witches that are there, you know, uh, Mark, uh, uh, Mrs. Marcus and all that stuff and how it all relates and how the Tan Academy was originally a dance studio and a cult place that turned into just a dance studio, which is just them going underground. Uh, but they do nicely circle back. You know, I watched, I, when I was rewatching it uh, at the beginning, when she just gets to the Tan Academy and um, what's her name is leaving. I don't know why I can't remember her name. She's leaving to, to run away from the school she does mention you can hear her like the thunder deliberately cracks over but you can see her mentioning the iris yeah. and all stuff so they definitely do lay a little bit of groundwork but it definitely feels like from then to like the last 30 minutes of the movie they kind of mostly just focus on bringing you into this just disturbing haunting nightmarish place and i really do mean nightmarish um, and a lot of people compare this to some kind of like fucked up Alice in Wonderland, and I fucking love that comparison. I um, I always forget that the blind guy dies in the movie. I love his scene where he fucking tells off the woman there up, too. Yeah. She she tells him to leave. He goes, "You bitch!" <laughs> he fucking yeah, that's, screams that's, it. That's another. A lot of people point out because this is an Italian movie. Well, I mean, it's Italian-made, but everyone speaks in their own tongue, and they get dubbed over because that's just the way that Italy did it. I don't know why that was. I, I feel like I read somewhere that it had to do with like the way that they recorded audio on set. They always had to redub it in in Italian films or something. I can't remember what the actual reason is, but most Italian movies are like that, and it's kind of funny to watch because everyone's fucking performances are so. I don't want to say erratic because it makes it sound like a negative. It's not a negative to me because to me, it all does is reinforce this whole nightmarish dreamlike quality of the film where something just doesn't feel correct the whole time. So it, it really works for me, but like he's just, he's looking all right. Like you bitch. I love that. And, and you, you get the, the, what's her name? Um, Oh man, why am I blanking on her name? No, the the actual the teacher that uh, that kicks him uh, out of the school, like she's just she's got crazy eyes the entire fucking movie, and like and one of my favorite parts of the movie, one of my favorite moments of the movie, I should say, is towards the beginning when Susie actually gets to the school and she's walking up the stairs and you're introduced to Pavos. I like that too a lot. Like, oh, this is Pavos, isn't isn't he ugly? <laughs> Yeah. He only understands Romanian. It's okay. You can call him ugly. And you just see him when he walks down the stairs, he just looks back. He's like, he, he definitely understands English. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing dumb. Um, yeah, I, I fucking, I love that shit. This, this movie is so weird, but it's so beautiful. 
and terrifying. I love it. You have a favorite character in it? I mean, like, I obviously, I love Susie uh, just because she's she's one of those. I mean, Suspiria is not a movie that most people talk about in the mainstream, anyways. But she's the kind of like final girl. She's not really a final girl, but um, she's the kind of character like she. While there's not a huge amount of plot, most of it is just scene to scene terrifying imagery but she does really suss out mostly on her own and she does she most of the time most of it not like you know there's her a scene and sarah yeah yeah her and sarah and then sarah dies and she has to pick up the torch and continue it um but she does she's a very intelligent character and i love jessica harper as an as an actress for this role because she's got these wildly expressive eyes that really endear you to the character and really draw you in um, she really does feel like, again, like the whole Alice in Wonderland thing, she's got that doe-eyed, you know, naivete to her that uh, that really just makes her compelling to me. Um, I, I love the teacher. Um, I, I don't, I'm blanking on her name, but uh, the dance teacher, I like her a lot. I like her performance a lot. She's probably my favorite. Daniel, the blind guy's close. <laughs> I love Daniel. He's so fucking funny. He doesn't get a lot of time, man, but he makes such an impression. It, it's funny how um, it's very convenient nobody's in the school when they fucking destroy it. <laughs> yeah. They They're like, oh yeah, they, we took all the students here. Alright, not hear about it. I don't fucking know, man. Because you've been you're getting drugged all the time and Yeah. Well but... their whole their whole thing is that they're saying they're saying there is that um you know, when when she gets down into the you know, the bowels of the school, she's entering, you know, whatever you want to call it. Chamber of secrets. Whatever metaphor you want to use yeah. for it, if she's descending into hell or whatever she's doing, yeah. you know she when she's making it to the bowels of school, she finds them in the back room. You know they're they're eating their fucking wafers and drinking whatever the hell they're drinking yeah. out of that chalice. She's saying like we need to kill her. So basically, they kicked everybody out of school to go to the yeah. theater so they can kill her and make her disappear like the rest. Yeah, uh, and she's very high profile. Like people know she's there because she's sick. You know she has that big big. Um, she falls. She she faints in the middle of class, so everyone knows she's she's you know she's very high profile at that point. It's not like she'll just disappear. So they have to find an excuse to get everyone out of the school to to get her out. So they never point out and say who the killer is for the first the first kill the, with the the golden eyes. Yeah, he's the guy. He's the guy who does most of them. Yeah. Or at least I know, like for sure, the first one and Sarah, because they show her his glowing. They don't show him as like pronounced as the first one, but you can yeah. see them in the background. It's really creepy. Do you have like an insinuation on who you think that would be? I have no idea, honestly. I I, I want to say because just because it just feels like that's what they wanted you to think, but it's Pavos, but it's not. Pavos. I don't think it is him either. It's I not feel like it, it, you'd want to think that. He's a super red herring. He's a huge red herring. Yeah, I I, I just I wish he wasn't even part of the cult stuff. I just kind of like him. <laughs> I just wonder because a lot of the time in the movie, there's nothing on screen. You just see the characters looking behind them and screaming in terror. Well, that's why. Because is that just a visualization in their mind? Does that does that person even exist? I don't think so. Because when they kill off the the main witch in the end too. The visualization of Sarah's dead body disappears. Yeah, so I, I just feel like it's not. 
he's not really there. It's just it's just something that's that's conjured up that's terrifying looking. Yeah. Um, but then again, like obviously, it's something that is stabbing at the beginning of the movie. Might as well talk about it anyways because it is one of the most beautifully choreographed, amazing kill sequences I've ever seen in a movie. It is incredible. Also, the set design, incredible. Or not set design, the location scouting they did was fantastic because that was an incredible looking location, very striking. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think that there's... It's funny because, you know, when you think about witches, they conjure up these these crazy occult things. It could be a demon, it could be anything. And I think that's... I, I like that they don't answer that because it kind of becomes your own boogeyman. But yeah, I, I feel like they want you to think it's Pavos just because he's like the silent character and he looks like he could possibly he's strong he's big yeah so I feel like they want you to think that but I don't think that's the case I don't either we never really discussed on your first time doing the film either honestly um so I was I was introduced to the movie by uh, a YouTuber called Pizzowl who was doing a series on Argento he was doing it for Halloween every year he did a a series of reviews of a certain theme he chose and this year it was in Argento Halloween, so he's just covering all of Argento's movies. Um, and I watched that review first, and he was describing, you know, this the the ambiance of the movie. I'm like, that just sounds really cool. And uh, I, I looked it up. I found it. You know, the transfer that I got wasn't particularly great, uh, but I, I definitely wanted to watch it. And I'll tell you what, when I was watching it the first time, I didn't like it. Like I was throughout the movie, I was just confused as to why people enjoyed this. I was so confused the entire time, just thinking to myself, "I don't understand it. I don't get this. This is not for me." And the last ten minutes happened, and it to me, the last ten minutes of that movie brings it all full circle and, and unites the whole movie for me. You know, the, when when you when you see her coming down that hallway, and she's you know she finds her friend on the table. And she gets into the room with with um, the with Marcus, yeah. yeah. And she's up there; she's ready to, to 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 stab her. And you see that door open, and the hand curl around the door, and then the door slams open, and it's just the entire all the music drains from the movie, and it's just this visage of this horrifying woman, and she just starts cackling like crazy, and I started screaming, it scared the shit out of me. Um, in a in a manner that hadn't scared the shit, nothing had scared the shit out of me like that in years. Um, that was an incredible experience, and as I just sat there with the movie, I just began to love it and love it and love it. And every time I rewatched it, I loved it more and more to the point now it's one of my favorite movies. Period. Like this movie is fantastic, so I adore this movie. I just noticed that my shirt says "Rock and Roll is Dead," and people are gonna think I'm an asshole. I don't want to denounce him that, but I just want to let the shit know that below it's a rock band. I'm not a fucking asshole, and I love rock and roll music. But I, I rock and roll is dead. All right. Oh shit. No, I I really loved the movie the first time I watched it. I do like. You are right when you say it's a polar opposite of Deep Red. I. I'm first and foremost a person who loves a visual direction in a film. But if there's not enough storytelling in the visual direction, I can't get a whole lot out of it. The, the last third of this movie does change everything, and I find it more enjoyable on rewatch. But I will say the middle... 
it's not so like it meanders, but it doesn't keep my attention as much. You know what I mean? It's no, fun, and I think there's things that keep me involved more and more. But I wish there was a little bit more like speckled foreshadowing stuff thrown in there. Because it, it's just the way Argento shoots the films. They're so masterfully done. Rewatching the, the beginning, I'm like, you feel like they're set up for something popping out when there's not, or something in the background because of the way it's shot, but there isn't. In a way, it's almost like I have been fooled by modern filmmaking because a lot of the time you have shots like that and something is going to come around the corner or something is in there in the fo- in the foreground. Not in the foreground, yeah. in the background. So you're waiting for the character in the foreground to realize what's in the background, and then it's a big thing. Like in Halloween, there's that classic shot of him sitting up. Yeah. But in a lot of these shots, they're filmed with the character not in the main focus with rule of thirds, but in a backing area where it's there's so much scenery in there. What's gonna happen? So I'm always thinking like, what's what's happening in the scenery? What's gonna what's gonna interact with next? And nothing does. That's really interesting with the way the movie's shot because I'm expecting more and I'm wondering, but it doesn't make anything happen. Nothing does come out. And even so, like I watched the film already. Rewatching it again, though, it still fooled me. Like, is something going to happen? No. I think it's funny how this film has almost become the antithesis of what I expect in modern filmmaking for horror films. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen anything quite like this ever. Like, like or the way that Argento, like Argento, is just a, a the definition of an auteur director. Like, he's just he makes his fucking movies, dude. They are his movies. If you watch an Argento movie, you know it's an Argento movie. You know exactly what you're watching. Uh, even if even if the storytelling styles are different, you know it's an Argento movie. From the camera moves, from the colors, from the set dressing, from the costume design, from the colors, you know you're watching an Argento film. And if you're seeing something that's not by Argento, most of the time it is. it feels at least Argento-esque or you know that they definitely saw an Argento movie. So... It's a very, very. He's, he has a very iconic look to his movies, and it's one of the reasons why they've endured so long. And you know, like I, I just got you know this this nice 4K release of the movie, and not just I got it like a year ago, but you know, it, 4K. It looks like a shot yesterday. <laughs> like, other than the fact that like obviously the um, the fashion styles and the the cars are different, but quality wise, like he shot the hell out of this movie, man. It's just it's an incredible looking movie. I think the funniest thing about films like this is that it really does showcase why I love films of this era. Like the late seventies, early eighties is I love the musical score to it. It's just mm. the same track over and over again, but like it fits so well with the narrative and it's so pronounced. And I love the artistic quality to it and you'll never get it again. There's a lot of movies nowadays that'll mimic kind of like a synth wave that was created mostly in the 80s but it just it sounds like it's mimicking it or like it doesn't feel natural because it doesn't belong in the decade yeah there's a lot of films that hit on that where it's like hey remember the 80s this is what this is like but you're not from the 80s so it, i don't care like i know it's not real i know we're not really an 80s film right now yeah but the coolest thing is when you go back to like an 80s film or a late 70s film and you feel that and it's like i Nothing is more upsetting than knowing someday we're never going to be able to find him again. We've hit all the ones that we've wanted to see or, like, 
we've seen all of these type of films with that type of vibe to it and you'll never have another original feeling to that yeah i mean that's that's what i've uh i've experienced now with like good slasher movies is like i feel like i'm running out of them now at this point yeah it's, it's very disappointing yeah. that's what i feel like as i've gone through a lot of the classics for universal for black and white i'm like my list is getting a lot shorter and that means my expectation should be a lot lower because <laughs> yeah. I, I keep digging and like sooner or later like i'm gonna hit rocks there's not gonna be something else to dig for yeah you brought up the the score and that was something i definitely wanted to talk about i was thinking about that right before that you before you brought it up I love the score for this movie because yes, there's that main theme, this you know beautiful, yeah. But like, there's that. But I love the fact that um, how like the score is not just music because stuff like that, the witches things, the howling, the actual like literal howl- howling, that's all to me. That's in the movie. Like that's not score. That's not music. That's part of the world. And, you know, there's these these people howling and screaming, which, 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 that's, like, to me, the characters are hearing that. And it, it adds this this different layer of terror and tension to the movie. That it's just, it, it's a genius score by Goblin. Um, they're just, my God, that score is incredible. Everyone talks about it. When they talk about Suspiria, it's one of the first things they talk about. If it's not the visuals, it's the score. You mentioned when you first watched it, you had a bad transfer of it. Did the film just look kind of like, rainy, like, like a VHS grainy film? Yeah, it was just it was it was one of those things where like you can tell it was made by a company. It, it was a it was a poor transfer by a company that wasn't maybe supposed to be doing it, or their technology for doing it wasn't very strong. Because like my first Blu-ray of this movie was a Korean release. And, you know, it was nice at the time because it's all I had. It was the only option I had. And, you know, it worked just fine. But when you, when you get the, the two Synapse, because I, I gave you my Synapse Blu-ray, the, my, my original Blu-ray copy of the Synapse version, and then I have my 4K version, it's night and day. If you put that old Blu-ray up next to the Synapse Blu-ray, it's night and day. Like, it just it looks way better. Um, the, the the transfer is much better. I'm sure the transfer that they did for that release probably wasn't from the actual elements, whereas the Synapse ones are from the elements, so like they have a lot more to work with. So it definitely it, the transfer on that one, like it was it was it was good enough for me to watch the movie, but there's things that I noticed this time around that I never noticed before, like when um, when she's running through the trees at the beginning, the girl, yep, who dies, um, you can see as the camera's panning through the trees you can see whoever's chasing her there's a shadow on one of the trees oh really I didn't notice that never fucking saw it before I had to rewind it to make sure I wasn't crazy so it, it, there's some things I, I just never noticed before that now that I have the super duper you know high quality you know you see people's skin pores man like it's, it's just it's incredible um, that combined with the Atmos track, which I was telling you when, we, when I told you I wanted to do this one, it's because I wanted to watch it with the Atmos track finally because we got our, our new sound system at the house. It is terrifying. You hear howling up above you to the upper right. You hear things wishing behind you. It is 
terrifying and i loved it 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 enhanced the movie tenfold it's so it's so cool what they did it's not the original intention you know the original version of the movie i think was released with maybe two to four channels but they they painstakingly you know built an atmos track for this movie and it's worth it it's it's really cool do you think that watching it originally with a lesser quality though does enhance the experience to an extent it will always be a special experience to me. I'll say that. It'll always be special to me because it's the first time I watched it. And I mean, like, hey, if someone gave you the this, you know, kind of dingy release of the movie, and that's how you first experienced it, that's fine. You can only go up from there. It, it, you know, the fact that the release itself isn't that great doesn't mean the movie's not great. The movie is still great no matter what. So I feel like even if you if you watch a shitty copy of it, it's still a good movie. I feel like you'll still appreciate it. I liken to that. I liken to that a lot of films that sometimes you won't get the best quality on, but sometimes that kind of adds to the atmosphere of the film. If you wanted to watch Alice Sweet Alice, you could watch it on Amazon Prime, but the quality of the of the movie is not what I would consider most people would want to watch. Did you check out the the, the quality on the Arrow release? No, you I bought? haven't watched it yet. Uh, I bet you it's going to be night and day. Excuse me, night and day. But I will always appreciate the fact that when I first watch it, it did feel kind of almost like a homemade film. Because yeah, it, I... it makes the like it makes the murders feel way more visceral. Like I'm I'm watching some old like tape on a fucking VHS of some terrible shit that happened, and I like that. Yeah. I'll say rewatching Alice Sweet Alice on the Arrow release will be like, wow. And I can fully enjoy everything about this film now in the background and in the foreground. But I'll always be happy that I watched that film initially on a less than perfect resolution. Yeah, I feel like for something like Alice Sweet Alice or um, Texas Chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or uh, like like some some like eighty slasher films, a lot of those. I feel like that definitely does enhance the feeling because you know like a lot of these were like they're low budget kind of grungy films and that kind of thing enhances it to me i would say it does a disservice to the movie in suspirious case just because of you know how much it relies on these colors and and the the fidelity of the imagery um I feel like it does give it kind of a disservice. You know, it doesn't make it so like you can't enjoy the film or anything. It's just that when you watch that and then you watch the, the nice, you know, snaps and it snaps Blu-ray and 4k, either one, honestly, it really is enlightening how bad that transfer is because mm-hmm. there were certain, certain moments. I think it was towards the end. No, it was when Sarah was going to die and she's walking through that red hallway and you know, it's just, bathed in red on that transfer it's completely washed out like you can't tell what's going on you can't see it's very much like the, the detail is gone um because it's just it's not a good scan whereas you know when when i watch it on the 4k it's crystal clear it's not blown out at all it's you can still see great detail um so i i feel like again you can watch suspiria on that you know dingy release and still enjoy it I would say, though, that it does do a disservice to the quality of the filmmaking, for sure. At the time, though, I had no frame of reference. The Synapse Blu-rays didn't, didn't exist yet. That was my only way to watch the film. 
So at the time, he's like, well, this is still great. So whatever. Doesn't really matter. I, I wouldn't know the difference at the time. So if you didn't know what it looks like now and just watch the Blu-ray, you're still going to like it. You're not going to have a frame of reference for it. So, Like, I, I want to watch dingier versions. Like, I, I purchased yeah. a, a VHS copy of Halloween to experience Halloween in, in on VHS. There's, just, there is something that, you know, I don't want to be a hoarder. I don't want to own multiple things of everything, but horror is the only genre where I feel like getting lower resolution can really enhance the film. Because yeah. sometimes when you get, especially for horror films, there are 4K transfers of films where they take out all the shadows that are placed in there on purpose. Then it's like, well, this has kind of lost a lot of the suspense because you've kind of added too much to this film right now. Yeah. And going to my buddy's lake house in New Hampshire, just being on a lake, yep. nobody else around us, and putting on a VHS copy of Texas Chainsaw is fucking awesome. Like, that type of film is perfect for that atmosphere. I'm and jealous. That sounds amazing. I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was really tired and really wow. drunk. So, like, you uh. know, I was, I'm, I'm sort of got it. I'm over here, I'm like, we're going to watch Texas Chainsaw. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> I watched, like, the beginning. I was like, yeah, you mono. That's fucking it. I was so tired. That's actually one of my one of my like um it's not really a grail, I guess, but like as far as like one of my like the things I want to see the most as a horror fan is I want to watch a VHS you know a night like a not a nice I want to see like a grungy VHS. You need Texas. an old school television too. Yeah, I know. My my roommate was talking to me about how he wants me to he wants to like hook it up to the 4K television in the living room. Like, why would I do Is that? He fucking that stupid. Defeats the purpose of it. What's yeah, the hundred percent? Need those fucking RCA cables, bro. I mean, yeah, you could you could go around that. I have a I have a box you can plug it into, so you can plug HDMI and RCA into. Yeah, no, I I just mean like you it's plug the like, RCA cables into an RCA TV, and you're like, let the magic happen. Yeah, like I, I love that. Like I tell you what like when i was when i was a kid all the way through my through senior year of high school i was watching movies on vhs on a tv with a vcr built into it i didn't even buy a blu-ray until i was into college i i i had blu-rays already actually i had blu-rays it had my playstation 3 plugged into a box tv they had a vcr built into it which means any benefit in hd it's completely lost i didn't i wasn't able to use a blu-ray player until i borrowed my brother's playstation 3 and kind of like hijacked it for a few months from him because i was like oh shit you know blu-ray is pretty like i i remember when blu-ray came out i was like oh you know blu-ray is like it's not that big of a difference and then i watched and i was like so people unanimously are fucking stupid am i right because like there's a stark difference between dvd and fucking blu-ray i'll say for sure there are blu-rays i've purchased semi-recently that blow 4Ks out of the mark. Yeah, out of the it's fucking it's a ridiculous claim to say that they're not that different. You know, like the quality of like American Werewolf in London versus 4K transfer though. I'll say this is a, a, a not a great comparison because it's a universally panned transfer, but the Terminator 2 uh, 4K is awful. Yeah. It's like, oh, we got all this more, much more space on our 4K Blu-rays. We have so much more room no, to, to, to have like less compressed audio and video and higher visual scans. And what do they do? 
They applied digital noise re- reduction. Everyone looks like a wax figure. So yeah. it's like, oh boy, thank God that we had the 100 gig disc for fucking nothing. Yeah, but like we were talking about like <clears throat> watching like VHS all the way through like high school and stuff. It's like, yeah, some things like the way that VHSs were produced is very unique. And like yeah. they encapsulate the time they came out in. Like yeah. I loved Dragon Ball growing up. And if you bought the VHSs, it perfectly encapsulates what it was like watching it on television. Also, if, didn't it, didn't the spines unite to make the Z logo? Um, they would connect to make a logo for whatever the, the period is supposed to be based on. Like it would be like a shot of like the androids for like the Cell Saga and stuff. It's pretty cool. It is cool. Um, I would say it'd be fun to go hunting it down, but like it wouldn't be fun to hunt it down. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't want to get a big tangent, but like anime from like eastern to western usually when they put it to the west they change a lot of stuff for like they give a new dubbing track for not just like the openings usually but also for like all the background music and regardless if you like the western or eastern or not who cares i want to be able to watch something that i originally watched as a child because that's pretty fucking sick and to really only do that until the blu-ray releases came out you'd have to do that for the vhs's and even still with the blu-ray releases out they made it widescreen and they cut off a lot of it because it was originally 4-3 so now the 4-3 aspect ratio fucks everything up and if you really want to track it down you kind of got to watch it in VHS to get the original quality it's kind of funny because that's the exact opposite from the way that movies are done because movies are mostly shot widescreen the first time I ever watched the fucking Lord of the Rings trilogy were on fucking VHS tapes can you believe that they used to have like a separate thing like widescreen full screen it's like why am I gonna buy the fucking full screen bro it's like oh well if they still have a box TV then they can have the the full the the quote unquote full image that we popped out for you um, but it sort of fits their television perfectly. It's like, yeah, because they always play that thing at the beginning of the VHS. It was like, this film has been adapted to fit your TV screen or whatever the fuck. And it's just like, I, I when I was a kid, I didn't understand what that was. But yeah. now that I'm an adult and I've been reading up on all this stuff and, you know, diving headlong into, you know, movie transfers and releases and stuff and learning about all this stuff, I just learned, like, I see that on screen. Oh, I'm losing picture. That's all. That's all that means. Yeah. Is you're losing picture, and you you could be losing something really important based on what the show or the movie is too. Yeah, it's like a, not not a really great example, but you know they just released a, a new 4K for Batman v Superman that puts the movie in the IMAX format, which is what the Snyder Cut was released in, and it's noticeable how much they they cut off for us on the the actual release the original mm-hmm. releases because there's so much more height in like say the nightmare scenes there's so much more height that we didn't get it is it is actually pretty surprising and like we're all the way up through 4k we're still getting these kinds of things where they just crop shit out you should always get the intended way it was meant to be yeah but i mean back always... in the and back in the days of vhs that wasn't realistic obviously because yeah. tvs were mostly you know tiny squares so back then but now there's not much not as much of an excuse so i would definitely love to be able to track down vhs tapes for certain films and maybe just steal steve's lake cabin for for a little bit and just be like hey i'm just trying to watch some movies bro i have for a couple i've I've had this um desire i want to get at least the my favorite film from the big three 
slasher franchises. So I already have Halloween. And I already have Nightmare on Elm Street signed. Um, so you want part four? I want part four of, of Friday at least. Part four. And I also, I definitely want Texas Chainsaw. I want Texas Chainsaw on, on V just so badly. Chainsaw is the most necessary one to me. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would buy if I saw a decent cheap copy of it, I would buy The Exorcist on VHS. Despite kind of cool, yeah, I agree. I own the Blu-ray for it. I remember I first watched Nightmare on like a, like a TV that looked like the one that Johnny Depp was watching in the movie. <laughs> Did you have a crop top on? No, I was a child. That's worse. <laughs> <laughs> but. uh actually funny thing i wanted to bring this up when we were talking about the vhs's anyways is like the first time i ever watched the terminator was on a vhs tape oh yeah and i didn't have another version of a way to watch terminator until you tipped me off to the blu-ray that was at best buy oh yeah with the red box yeah so the only version of terminator i saw for years was the vhs until i got the blu-ray so. I didn't watch Terminator until after I watched the second one, because I had a hard time finding the first one until I saw that Blu-ray at Best Buy. I definitely know I saw scenes from Terminator 2 on television before I watched Terminator 1. But I own Terminator 2 on 1, DVD. Terminator 1's my favorite, but Terminator 2, I have Terminator 2 on, I have the, I have the shitty 4K. That's my the only version of Terminator 2 I own. So, I can get fucked apparently. I would always love to see how some of the Argento films transferred on VHS and see what they'd be like. I think they have VHSs of some of them. I would, I would actually, I would purchase Argento VHSs just for the novelty factor. But I would like to see, I, like, I feel like it would just be so upsetting now that I've because I've seen like Deep Red, Tenebrae. Tenebrae, uh, I feel like would read like a TV movie on a VHS. Oh my god, I, I don't want to know what te- like Tenebrae and fucking deep red on VHS would give me an aneurysm just because of how like amazing those look visually on the versions I've seen mm-hmm. I would just I would have an aneurysm I would lose it yeah I would not want to watch deep red on VHS I think Tenebrae would be funny because I feel like no. it would reduce a lot of the quality of the film yeah I, I, I would I wouldn't mind watching like Inferno on VHS just because I don't care about it about it as much mm-hmm. as as you know Suspiria, you know because it's part of that. Obviously, there's Suspiria, Inferno, and uh, the Mother of Tears. It's a whole. This is a trilogy of movies. They're barely related, um, but yeah, I, that one not not as not as big a fan of. But uh, that one I wouldn't care so much about seeing on VHS because I feel like compared, especially compared to Suspiria. Inferno is not even as close. It was like beautiful. There's some moments of of grandeur that like it seemed like Argento really went for something, but Suspiria is like top to bottom, just like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. Whereas like Inferno feels a little bit more conventional at times. I would agree. Your Mother of Tears is awful, so I haven't even watched that yet. We kind of lightly went into it. I do want to like actually like deep dive into the not deep dive but i do want to talk a little bit more at length with you about the um the opening kill oh so actually i want to bring up something about the opening that i kind of didn't pick up on the first time but i don't know if it's trying to say something but where would you say the location is when they get when that kill happens like a hotel it's an apartment complex okay apartment complex 
That's not her apartment complex, though. No, it's her friend's. Her friend. Okay. Do you think it... Do you think they read as friends? That or... Do you think it's siblings? Almost, but I would say... I would say friends. I don't... I, I think I know what you're getting at, but I don't read it like that. I didn't the first time, but the second time, I'm like, they're... She gets really close to her, and it seems almost sometimes very intimate, and I'm like, all right, so... She comes to this location. She's running away. It's the only place she could go to because she dorms at the school, presumably, obviously. So, where is she going? How does she know this friend? I don't have any background information on this other person. So, I figured, like, we know she's friends with Sarah, but not this other person. So, I was under the implication, like, oh, it's like a girlfriend, maybe? I don't know. So I thought that was kind of interesting with the way it plays out. It, there's not enough information to delude that, like, oh, they're gay or anything. But yeah. I, I thought that was kind of interesting with the way it plays out. Like, usually if it's, like, a friend of somebody that, like, escapes, they go into detail about how they're friends or something, or there's more to it. But this is left very vague. And I think that's, for yeah. the time period of the film, I think that's pretty cool. That I think it's easy to read it that way. I'm not saying I think, that, I that think, it is that way, but I think it's easy to read. Yeah, I, I definitely... I mean, honestly, though, it really wouldn't be that weird for, for Argento, considering especially, like, Deep Red. Yeah. Like, all the stuff with, in Deep Red with, um... um the piano guy, yeah. Piano guy. Um, Trans-related thing, or dressing in drag, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, gay... He's he's very like it's not it's not it's not even like it's um subtext like he's he is gay, yeah. Uh, so it's like it wouldn't it wouldn't be that weird. No, at all. Not weird. It wouldn't be out. It wouldn't be out of the question just because Argento never really seems to have a problem with that. So. Yeah, I think it's more. I read it more like that mostly because like he isn't the director to make it a big deal as much. Like, in Deep Red, they make it a deal that he's gay, but it's not about the characters reacting that he's gay, but it's more about the character saying, like, yeah, I didn't want to tell anybody, so he's making it a big deal. Yeah. So, that's why when this scene happens, I'm like, you know, I can can pretty clearly see it go as this way, and I think it's interesting that it is very much left open for a viewer to decide what their relationship is. Yeah, I definitely didn't read it that way, but I also wouldn't. I also can see where you're coming from about that. But I, I definitely read it more as friends. But it, either way, it doesn't really matter. I think if you want to read it that way, that's fine. I think that that's that's perfectly valid way of looking at it. But... I, I, I more so like I want to get into the like the actual just like the staging of the sequence because they they show you her walking up to the they show you the first the reflecting reflection of the building walking up to the building she goes in you see this lavish beautiful arguably gaudy <laughs> interior just full of just it's bright pink um, all this like ornate architecture and they deliberately show you the, the, the skylight and they, they kind of like they sit like say hey this might come into play and you know she gets upstairs and things start to go wrong slowly not slowly it's pretty quick but she you know she, she gets in there she's already scared she's cold she's freezing you know she's wet 
and she's lured over to the window and she's you know attacked by this unseen force besides its glowing green eyes which to me more so like really nails down like I just feel like this is something demonic like it's, just, it's something out of it's not worldly it's not worldly it's not some person it's definitely something also also she's up like fucking seven stories or something and this guy's outside the window it's not a person it's not a person um but you know she's they do demonstrate against... that there is ground there though yeah there, there, there's a ledge but the way that they show like they show the eyes set back it just you feel like that person must be floating <laughs> at that point and also like they show the arm come through the window and it's just this massive arm so you think the person that has that arm is also massive which is kind of why it leads into um what's his name fucking pavos pavos yeah pavos where like he's a fucking big guy so you'd think oh maybe it's him but it's not yeah (laughs) very clearly especially considering how like his nails look um Versus these, this guy's giant hairy arms, and yeah, sharp nails and stuff. Um, and she, he drags her head. One of the like one of the most like terrifying shots in the movie to me is her fucking face slammed up against the window, held up there because it's like you can tell she's really being held up against that window pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you know the whole chase going up to the um, uh, what's it called um, the roof. And, you know, he starts just stabbing her and stabbing her. And they, they make a point to show you uh, her heart actually being stabbed and beat it while it's beating. Yeah, I was a lot more like, I found that way more peculiar on this um this watch of the film, how they showcase yeah. that. Not like it me, took me out of it. I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't know they do that. To me, it's just like they're, they're showing the pure just brutality of the attack. And also just like how, like, you know, maybe, it, like, I, I don't know, this is just me kind of guessing, but the heart has a significance within, maybe within mystical related things where it's like you destroy the heart, it's, 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 it's donezo. And then it gets to the point where like, she falls through the, the skylight and another just incredibly striking moment where, you know, it's kind of weird to talk about this, like this, this beautiful moment or something because it's, it's horribly grotesque. But you know she she falls through this window and hangs her. Yeah, they show deliberately like, the, the the wire popping off the wall, off the wall each step of it, and then all of a sudden it's just this quick. She slides down and it stops her so suddenly, with her eyes wide open, blood out of her mouth. She's dripping blood onto the ground. The glass comes shows, down, kills her friend. Kills her friend, and it's showing like big big uh, pane of glass cuts her fucking head. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most horrifying sequences I've seen in a long time, and it's just wild watching it because it's a combination of this grotesque violence. And Argento is—he he doesn't ever hold back on the on the red stuff. He's he is a super duper. He just loves bloody violence in his movies because it just looks so visually striking in his movies because he deliberately chooses these like bright palettes for blood that are really striking especially in technicolor and it feels again especially in this movie it feels otherworldly and it's weird having that conflict of beautiful imagery and savage violence put together 
to to this cocktail. It's just like it's, it's such a weird feeling because you're sitting there saying, "Wow, this sequence is beautiful." And it's also disgusting. I love it. I love that that whole balancing act that he does, and he does it with all of his movies because all of his movies are amazing looking, and every sequence I, I've never seen a single sequence in one of his films that's not perfectly staged as far as kill scenes are concerned they're just perfect from blocking to shot placement everything it's just it's perfect every time everything in his films feels very very visceral yes and I love how he utilizes the color palettes to the maximum if someone said to me I think the color is overly utilized in this film. I could understand. I think sometimes it does go a little uh, artsy over, you know, storytelling, but I yeah. think that's the point of the film and that's what it's meant to be. And I think the color lends itself well to it. If you associate any color with Suspiria, it's the color red. Oh, yeah. The red is flooding every single aspect of this film. I red mean, is danger. The building is fucking red. Every hallway yeah. is fucking red. Every red time you name. see someone die, their entire outfit becomes red because they're just covered in blood. Yeah. Uh, she passes out. So much red oozes from her mouth and nose. Yeah, I see. I see a lot of people like, and we. I think we've used it a couple times on this show, uh, talking about style over substance. And there's definitely a lot of movies I would say are definitely style over substance. I would argue though with Suspiria though that it is style over substance in the way that the style is the substance. I was going to say that before you even said it. I was going to say, I wouldn't say it's style over substance. I'd say it's style is the substance. Like, yeah. the, the whole point about it is, is yeah. the style. The style is, is conveying to you the world in a, in, a, in a very visual manner that a lot of films don't do these days. It's mostly when, you, when, when you're getting these kinds of like setting up just worlds or films like you get a lot of like exposition and you know a lot of words whereas to me like they they don't say a word about whether what Suspiria is they don't say a word about what you know what kind of world she's living in all they do is just show you we'll compare two films that we've talked about before about the argument of style over substance and neither film I believe is style over substance but look at a film like Hush where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of a lot of conversation a lot of dialogue between certain scenes and a lot of thinking done so when things do become more stylistic people lend into the argument style over substance don't agree but that's why there's that argument look at a film like Nosferatu there isn't a lot of dialogue everything that's done stylistically is the substance the substance you're getting is through visual storytelling obviously one film 1922 the other film 2016 let's hit a middle ground let's get to Suspiria Spittlegra- Spear is what, 1977, 78? 77. Okay. So there you go. That's a perfect middle ground between those two films right there. This film does have dialogue. It has conversation. But the conversation never overtakes what's happening around the camera, about what you're tracking, what you're following. This film is pinpointed perfectly on what are you looking for, what's looking after you. And you follow that. You're not getting exposition about the background of these witches or anything going on until, like you said, the last 30 minutes. So everything besides that is a visceral attack on what you believe is going to happen. And there's no explanation to decide what is really going on until later on in the film. So can you really say it's style over substance when the style is becoming the entire point of this movie? Yeah, I agree. I I would say, like, they definitely do... 
they don't avoid story so much as they allow the visuals to carry it through what what I would have to assume maybe the treatment for this movie was pretty short um, but the visuals enhance the narrative all the way through and you know during that kind of middle part you know the where you know she you know gets sick and she's you know she's fainted and all that stuff they don't completely stop telling the story because they definitely do they bring the investigative aspect into it which a lot of people talk, call this like almost like a mystical giallo film i wouldn't go that far just because there's there's tenets of giallo that are not even close to present in this movie yeah but they they definitely do um attack that investigative aspect to it talking about how like you know like oh they always leave for the night and we're gonna you know listen to their footsteps we're gonna count which direction that they go in and all that stuff and you know the, the, one of the big you know climactic turning points of the movie is when Sarah's killed off because she knows too much but the witches don't know that the information's been passed along to Susie you know they do they do still tell story in between these sequences but they definitely don't give you concrete answers until the last 30 minutes of the film so there's enough to keep you hooked they, like it, Argento just lays breadcrumbs for you to follow throughout the film that allow you to understand kind of what's going on to the point that you can become just absolutely immersed in this world. I would agree 100%. I think the film's easy to immerse yourself into and you can easily get invested regardless of if you think it's like one of your favorites or not. I don't think it's style over substance, but I could see it being off-putting to somebody that doesn't tend to lend themselves to this type of storytelling. Yeah. But I think it's worth giving a shot to see if you can really kind of piece together if like you're really to take if you're like ready to take like something outside your ballpark and kind of test what your expectations are for film yeah i would if someone were to ask me whether or not they should watch this film i would have to ask them whether or not they are open to art artsy kind of movies um, I wouldn't call this, you know, like an art, like a completely artsy farsy film because it does have a plot and it's it's not difficult to follow or anything. Um, it's not just allegorical; it's it does have a story. But if you do, if you can't process these things efficiently, uh, I'm not saying that it, you know, only a smart person can watch *The Spirit* because that's ridiculous. Uh, but if this isn't your kind of thing, I would work up to it. I'm not even trying to say this is a difficult film to watch. I just, like you said, the visuals and how aggressive it can be with those visuals can be off-putting to people. Um, and if you're going to start with an Argento film, I think a lot of people could start here. But if you, if you, if that kind of, uh, if anything that we've talked about, I mean, we're spoiling the whole fucking movie. So, sorry. But if, if any of this stuff sounds like it's a little bit too much for you, if you're going to start an Argento film, I would probably watch one of his giallo movies instead so they're a lot easier to to get into but i think this is his masterpiece as far as i'm concerned and i mean that's 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 funny because my top three movies are all in my opinion perfect from him this deep red and tenebrae i love tenebrae um so i don't know that's that's kind of my my two cents on that i do consider it and it's how should i put it 
it's an art film. It's definitely an art house film. Um, if anything, I think there's more story in this than some art house films. Some are a lot more visual than storytelling. I think that lends itself to some films more, but there's enough for someone to watch this and say, like, I had a good time, or, like, even you said on your first time, you weren't into it until, like, the last third of the film. I would say a lot of people can kind of feel that when they're going through it, if they're watching it by themselves. Yeah. I I still think, to me, this is an easier one to introduce yourself if you want to get to know a director better than, like, anything else. Like, my favorite is Deep Red, but I would never watch Deep Red first. I feel like watching Suspiria first is great because you are getting more of his artistic manner showcase first and learning about him as a director it's like okay cool this is his ability and this is what he puts towards films and then some of the the giallo films follow way more with a narrative structure so you see how he picks on some of that artistic quality and transfers it over but then he also follows through with the storytelling so i would always say to me, this is the best starting point, and I'm glad I watched this one first. Yeah. <clears throat> I get that. So, final thoughts? Final thoughts is, I mean, I mean, I mean, what else can I say? This is one of my favorite movies ever made. Um, I adore it. It's one of the most... It just has some of the greatest cinematography I've ever seen, some of the most beautiful uses of color, tone, uh, visual storytelling is off the chain. This is just... This is my, my first introduction to Argento and it's been a a, uh, a wild ride since I, I just fucking love this movie and I, th- I would love to recommend this to anybody I possibly can but I also know that this is not a movie for everybody so know yourself before you watch it not even trying to say it's like some fucking you know impossible to experience movie or something like you know. I, I don't think it comes down to it being tough to like follow it's just more about like it's jarring to a modern viewer, I'd say. Yeah. I think it's, I think the a lot of the way that he uses utilizes color and maybe some of the visceralness of, you know, how he showcases certain sequences, especially violence, um, can be off putting to people. So that, that's more so what I'm trying to get at. I'm not trying to say this is you know fucking you know Tarkovsky or something, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely it is a it's not that it's a movie that's made for only a specific demographic, but you need to understand what you're gonna be watching before you watch it. Because I didn't. All right, give your give your rating. How many blood splatters? Five, ten, whatever whatever metric we're using. Perfect. Do we use a metric? What's up? Do we use a metric? I mean, I, don't, I we we kind of just make a joke metric at the end of those, <sighs> which which to me that's better. I don't like scoring things because I think scoring is arbitrary. But yeah, this is <clears throat> I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. So all of the blood spatters because Argento just lets loose with the red stuff. So. I'll give it nine and a half visceral dog bites. That was a that was a pretty fucked sequence. I forgot Actually, the dog does that. We didn't even talk about like that's one of my favorite shots in the movie. Not not that shot, but one of my favorite shots in the movie is when the fucking camera flies Amazing. down. It is so cool, and it's such a long shot. It, it's really impressive. I don't know how they did it. I really don't, but it's really cool. That was really especially for the time. That's just such a ballsy shot. Yeah, it, from, it really from like fucking the top pans of the building. Well. Like from the top of the building and slides all the way down. That's amazing. That's incredible. So that covers Mike's favorite movie of the of this segment. 
that'll cover three-fourths of our films for first-time watches and favorite films to just jabber about. Last one is going to be my pick, and I'm picking Evil Dead 2. I don't know any other point we could just talk about it randomly, because the first video is Evil Dead. and I'm two. glad... I'm glad we're going to Evil Dead 2 just because we can then we can do all of them <laughs> yeah. at some point. I think Army of Darkness is easier to throw into like a, a, a subcategory, but Evil Dead 2 is like, where the fuck do you put that? Army of Darkness is arguably not a horror movie, but yeah. Fight me. I mean, I, I don't care. We're, we're going <laughs> to do it anyway. Says that, uh, fight me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's mostly an action-adventure movie, but... There's, there's other films. I mean, God, there's films that we've, we've still talked about that aren't arguably horror films. The third one was Bram Stoker's Dracula. I wouldn't say it's a horror film. I mean, it's supposed to be a horror film. It's horrible to watch. It's not a fucking it's horror It's true. Film. It terrified me in different ways. <laughs> but yeah, my, my film I'm picking is Evil Dead 2. It's one of my favorites. Not even the first one I saw of the series or anything. It's just the one I come back to all the time. And it's easily the most quoted one, the one that people think about when they're talking about like ash in general the one where most of the tropes get picked up and followed yeah. on it's where it's where groovy came from yeah it was where, where he first does like the, he has like the double barrel boomstick he's got yeah. the chains a hand like that's the first movie when people think of ash that is what they're thinking of 100 percent. so also i think we brought this up before a bit of a tangent for the end but it is kind of crazy. Evil Dead is the most consi- con- con- just consistent horror franchise because all of them are awesome. All of them. I don't. The, the movies. I'm talking about the movies. No, well, even the show I, is I really good though. That. I haven't seen all of Ashes vs Evil Dead. But I, really I love, love all four movies. I think it's fun. So it's... I, love, I love all four movies. I love I love that remake. We'll talk. Love we'll talk film. more in line about Evil Dead in the next video, but. Obviously, thank you for joining us, and thanks for hearing us talk about Suspiria, and we'll continue on with the next one, and have a great time with that. Thanks again. I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.